Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Every day, millions take to the internet to find love, a date, or just a hookup. While many encounters become exciting new relationships, some become devastating dates with death. I'm about to tell you the story of one such deadly online connection. Welcome to I Met My Murderer Online. I'm Patricia Brown, but you can call me Patches. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Even with its billions of inhabitants, the world can be a lonely place. It was indeed a tough time for Tiara Poole. This was a woman trying to find herself trying to find where she fits in this world. The problem was, she was also lonely. (laughs) That's why more and more people are turning to the internet for companionship. Strangers can turn into friends, who turn into lovers, who turn into soulmates, all at the click of a button. Tiara! Tiara! And while it's possible that meeting a complete stranger on the internet might one day turn into an incredible story told to loved ones, it could also be how one might meet their murderer online. Tiara Poole was 21 years old in July of 2010. The married mother of two and Jacksonville, Florida resident was spending the summer without her husband while he was out at sea employed by the Navy. She became a mother at a very young age, twice, She was married to her high school sweetheart, who was often out at sea working as a technician for the Navy. But as you might expect, a teenage mother and father had their share of difficulties. It was tough for this young woman to raise two small children on her own while her husband was away. This is law enforcement expert Eldridge Armstrong. As difficult as it was, she was trying to better her life. Luckily, she had a strong, supportive, extended family to help her out. Tiara's two children, aged three and one, often lived with their grandparents so Tiara could finish school. She was close to graduating. She had planned to graduate in September of 2010 and had designs to join the Naval Reserves and possibly pursue a nursing career. It was indeed a tough time for Tiara Poole, but she was almost at the finish line. The problem was she was also lonely. This is criminal defense attorney Sarah Azari. 
Craigslist started in the 90s, ironically as a way for local business people to meet and network. First, it was events and job postings, and then other categories were added to the site. One such category was personal ads. The personal ad section on Craigslist includes everything from missed connections to those seeking friendships to casual encounters of a more sexual nature. Casual relationships on Craigslist are tricky because at the time, there was no oversight and you don't really know who is typing those responses to you on the other screen. The same could be said for pretty much all online connections. Today's sex trafficking laws prohibit personal ads related to sex, and those categories have been removed from Craigslist. But in 2010, they were still there and very popular. Michael Poole knew his wife was lonely, but he was trying to make ends meet and was out of town a lot. He was aware she had posted personal ads, but they were young and still trying to figure it out. Michael and Tiara got pregnant and wed while they were still teenagers. Tiara, however, didn't let that stop her from finishing high school and working towards higher degrees. But the loneliness got the best of her. Perhaps it was that her husband was gone a lot, or maybe the realization that she was rushed into adulthood with pregnancy and marriage. Whatever it was, Tiara started looking elsewhere for companionship. Tiara was young and attractive and liked attention from men she met online. Her husband suspected she was having multiple affairs, but wasn't entirely sure. Tiara was having more than simple one-night stands. On multiple occasions while her husband was out at sea, she had men living with her for weeks at a time. This was a woman trying to find herself, trying to find where she fits in this world. Her friend and classmate, and oftentimes babysitter, knew what was going on but couldn't stop Tiara from messaging other men. There are questions about this situation. What does her husband truly know? How much does he suspect? And how much does he know for a fact? Tiara's relatives state the two were having lots of trouble in their marriage. Some had even suggested that her husband, Michael Poole, may have lied about being deployed so he could catch his wife in the act. Michael Poole had two children with Tiara, both boys. He loved them, but his marriage was crumbling. 21-year-old Tiara Poole was a married mother of two young boys when her body was found stabbed to death on July 12, 2010. She had been dead for four days before she was discovered. Detectives on the scene immediately start to decode what had happened. The crime scene was a bloody mess, but there were several leads for the police to go on. Why did it take four days for a wife to be found in her home? Law enforcement expert Eldridge Armstrong. The murder started on the bed in Tiara's room. Her body was found in the doorway to her bedroom. There must have been a fight along the way. It was a savage murder. This is Bernie De La Rianda. He was the assistant state attorney and head homicide prosecutor. You could tell that the victim had put up a fight. Um, Even though the murderer had covered up the scene, even though uh, there was an attempt to camouflage what occurred, the actual murder itself, in terms of the evidence, the victim's body just cried out when I saw what Uh, It happened to her. I knew this was a death penalty case. Uh, The victim was brutalized. She was uh, stabbed or uh, incised wounds. I think there was 89 of them, 89. And they were through all parts of her body, her chest, her back, um, her arms had it, um, including the two fatal blows, which were to uh, her back. uh, The knife punctured her uh, lungs. 
and also her throat was slashed. Uh, so it was brutal. The, the victim also, you could tell that she had put up a struggle. I believe almost 30 of the wounds were to her arms, which indicated that she had fought valiantly in terms of trying to put up a, a struggle to live. I mean, she wanted to live. So you could tell that the murder wasn't just quick. It took a while. Medical experts determined she is alive almost the entire time, right up until the last slice, a terrifying last few minutes of her life. Based on the sheer number of stab wounds, the police believe the suspect must have known the victim, perhaps by someone who wanted Tiara to pay for something she might have done. Attorney De La Rianda describes their investigation. Even though he had uh, cleaned up the the scene, you could tell there was some evidence of either some kind of spray, uh, something to camouflage stuff. He actually had left the knife, the murder weapon, which he got from the victim's kitchen. It was in the butcher block. The, The knife that he used to murder this victim, this innocent victim, was from a butcher block. He had left it um, kind of standing up in the bathroom area right behind the um, the shower curtain. And the knife was was unique in the sense of the tip of it was missing. It had been like broken off. The autopsy ended up uh, establishing that the knife, the, 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 the part was still in her head, still in her brain or in her skull. So um, we were able to determine that that was a key piece of evidence. And then we try to get DNA off of that. Um, and fortunately, we had DNA, even though this defendant went to great lengths to camouflage everything, to not leave fingerprints, to clean off the scene so that there would be DNA. And even though he had wiped off the knife, there was still some DNA on that knife. We also then, uh, because of the circumstances of the murder in the sense of it being somebody that we knew the victim had had contact with, we focused on her phone. And that's when we were able to determine that she had had some contacts. And so we went through all the people that she had contact with to try to eliminate people, you know, her friends, other people who had she had a contact with in the days preceding her murder. Naturally, police look into close friends and relatives. Criminal defense attorney Sarah Azari. The first person they interview was the woman who found the body. She was a close friend, classmate, and babysitter for Tiara. She told authorities Tiara hadn't been to class for days, nor had she been in contact. Tiara's family hadn't heard from her, so they asked this poor woman to use her key and see if she can figure out where she was. After calling 911 and waiting for police, she would be the one to have to identify the body. Identifying the body of a friend who had been gruesomely murdered has to be one of the hardest things to do. That image is going to haunt this woman for her entire life. But there are leads the police can follow. The murder weapon was found on the scene. Tiara's purse had been rummaged through, and authorities did find her phone. There were other missing items in the apartment. Police started their investigation with Tiara's closest connection, her husband. It's always the husband, right? Scenario played out for the perfect crime. A husband says he's going out of town to set up an alibi. The kids are away at relatives, leaving the lonely wife at home all by herself. His fingerprints should be all over the house anyway, so it wouldn't matter if he was a little sloppy. But in this case, the husband was not lying. As far as alibis go, doesn't get much better than being out at sea with the armed forces. 
Police needed to go in another direction. I'm Patricia Patches-Brown. More of our story in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Police have Tiara's phone. IT experts begin to pour through it for any sign that Tiara might have had other visitors while her husband was away. They soon find they have several leads. Police start to put things together. Tyra's life outside of her marriage. She had been on several sites, notably Craigslist, looking for relationships with white men. While her husband was away, Tiara had been in contact via several different postings with various men. Some even would stay in the house for long periods. Police want to know why she met these men. Police interview a couple of men who confirmed they knew Tiara and had met her on Craigslist, but none of them pan out as suspects. Police sifted through the ads Tiara posted online, and with the help of Craigslist, they get the locations and emails of everyone who had been in contact with her. However, they find multiple ads posted by her, often conflicting with what police knew about her. One ad lists her as a plus size. She was 5'3", 110 pounds, hardly plus size. In another, she's single and 25 years old. We know that's not true. Police cannot figure out why she posted ads using so many different descriptions of herself. One of her last postings from July 1, 2010 was particularly interesting. It was posted less than a week from when she was killed and had several responses. Police find an interesting reply, and when they match up the contact information, they find one person in particular had been texting with Tiara in the days leading up to her death. Not only texts, but multiple phone calls as well. Police eventually find texts from a man asking to meet up with Tiara. She agrees. Tiara and this mystery man were going to meet up at a hospital nearby. The man was in town caring for his grandmother, who was having a heart procedure in Jacksonville. The man's name is David Kelsey Spar, a 19-year-old man from South Carolina living with his grandmother in Georgia. The grandmother needed to travel to Florida for a procedure, and David was going to accompany her. Sounds like a caring grandson, right? David Spar responded to Tierra's Craigslist posting on July 5th, four days after she originally posted that she was looking for a platonic friend to chill with. The two had texted regularly, including multiple times on the day of her murder. David wanted to meet with Tiara at the hospital first. But the meeting didn't stay at the hospital. At some point, Tiara invited David back to her house and even drove him in her car. The camera footage at the hospital would be the last time she'd be seen alive. Authorities traveled from Florida to South Carolina to interview David. They have text messages from him on the day of Tiara's death. Many of those texts were sexually explicit. Police focus in on the last two texts in the chain, both from David. One telling Tiara not to come to the hospital. That text was not responded to, so he sent one more text about an hour later saying, guess you're mad at me. Police ask David about those texts and see something in his house that might have belonged to Tiara. 
The first conversation with David was at his home two days after Tiara was found dead. Police noticed a PlayStation 3 was on the ground in his living room. A similar PlayStation had been removed from Tiara Poole's home during her murder. But police do not arrest David. Instead, he agrees to talk with authorities at the police station. He admits to having sex with Tiara. He says they met at the hospital, went back to her home, had sex, and then she dropped him off at the hospital afterwards. He hadn't heard from her since. Police ask about drug or alcohol use, and he says he has done neither. David went back to his house and didn't hear from authorities for another 10 days. But when he did hear from them, they showed up with an arrest warrant. The second interview at the police station was where things really started to unravel for David. With 10 extra days in between interrogations, police have hospital camera footage, phone records, GPS, and forensic evidence from the crime scene. Police tell David the evidence they have on him was going to, quote, hang him out to dry. Every time David makes a statement, police counter with evidence against him. There were many things David couldn't explain. The PlayStation, for one. When police returned with the arrest warrant, the PlayStation was gone. But they found receipts that he had sold it at a local pawn shop. The last two texts he sent to Tiara were called into question as well. David said he sent them from the hospital, but phone records and the location of his phone when the texts were sent were not from the hospital, but from a location closer to Tiara's home. Police find Tiara's car at the hospital. The strange thing was the driver's seat was set to someone who was six foot three, not five foot three. They also had video surveillance footage of him returning to the hospital with a duffel bag, a bag he did not leave with. And then there was the murder scene itself. After all the evidence was laid out, including finding his DNA on the murder weapon, David admits to killing Tiara. But even then, his story keeps changing. Effie says she attacked him in the shower. Police tell him the killing didn't start in the shower. Then David says she attacked him in the kitchen, but police know the murder started in the bedroom. This is when things get really crazy. David says he just blacked out, and the next thing he knew, Tiara was dead. When she told him she was married with kids, he told police he just flipped out and attacked her. 89. Over 89 sad wounds or cuts were made by that man. Head homicide prosecutor Bernie De La Rianda recalls facing David Spar in the courtroom. David Spar is an imposing figure. I think he was like 6'2", 6'3". He's a, he's a big guy. And he comes across as somebody who is very smart. I had prior to trial, uh, the police had interviewed him uh, and, and they, that was videotaped. So I was aware of what he looked like and I had a good sense of what he was like. Based on um, that interview that they did of him, I could tell that he was somebody who fancied himself as being very smart. And he actually was smart. And that's what's scary sometimes in these type of cases where a victim has contact with somebody who does, she doesn't really know. And turns out to be who's somebody who portrays himself as being a nice guy, you know, very innocent and turns out to be a, a horrific person. During the trial, you could sense, I mean, I was very close to him in terms of where I was seated. And I tell you, I, I could I could feel the evil in him. 
I, I, it just, it's hard to describe, but you could sense that this was a person who um, was evil. And you could tell just looking at him in ter- terms of how he acted. It, it, I just got that feeling. He says that he had to make sure the jury focused on Tiara Poole, the victim, and not on her promiscuous behavior that ultimately led to her murder. My belief is also if it is an innocent victim, uh, I have had victims who have done um, things in terms of going to a bar, et cetera, you know, expose themselves. And uh, they're still victims. At the end of the day, the way they're murdered and, and what caused them to be murdered is what's important. So I focused on that. But yes, I addressed it in jury selection, making sure that jurors could be fair in terms of keeping an open mind and not just focusing on what the victim did or did not do, but what led to her murder. At the end of the day, she was still a victim. During the trial, defense counsel wanted first-degree murder off the table. They said David had no intention of going to Tiara's house to kill her and that he blacked out. They said he's blacked out before. But the evidence didn't support this theory. The prosecution had damning testimony from David's ex-girlfriend. Ashley Chuning, David's former girlfriend and mother of his younger daughter, testified that one week after returning from Florida to South Carolina, he admitted to her that human blood stinks and that he had killed a black woman at her apartment in Jacksonville. He also admitted to her that he stole the PlayStation from her as he did not believe his story at the time. 11 months after the brutal slaying of Tiara Poole, the trial for the murder of the young mother began. Relatives wanted to know why her life was taken from her. Unfortunately, they don't have that answer during the trial. The trial lasted a week, but only took the jury about 30 minutes to deliberate. They find David Spar guilty of first-degree murder. A short time after this, they recommend he receive the death penalty. During the sentencing phase, David did not want any mitigating evidence submitted. Evidence that might get him off death row and spare his life. Hearing no evidence, the judge sentenced him to death. Even though David Spar waived his right to prevent evidence that may get him off death row, an appeal of his sentencing was heard in 2015. Law enforcement expert Eldridge Armstrong. The Florida Supreme Court heard the mitigating factors related to David's background. I cannot feel badly for someone who so brutally took another's life. But his background and upbringing certainly do begin to answer the question as to why. Why did this man take the life of another? Spar's defense team paints him as an abused, drug-addicted teenager. He spent two years at a home for boys. Doctors and psychiatrists were called to testify on his behalf. David had been diagnosed in the past as having ADHD, post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse, intermittent explosive disorder, and a bipolar schizoid affective disorder. Others testify about the abuse he received, both mental and physical, from his parents growing up, and he started doing drugs by the age of 11. That and the fact that he did not have a record, his age, he was a father himself, and he was a skilled laborer, might have gotten him off a death row and life in prison. However, prosecutors have one more piece of evidence. I'm Patricia Patches-Brown. More of our story in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A letter sent from Spar to his former girlfriend was entered into evidence. So we tried the case. We put on evidence. The jury uh, determined that he he deserved the death penalty and voted, you know, 12-0 unanimously that he imposed the death penalty. After the trial and prior to what's called a uh, Spencer hearing, which is in front of the judge only, uh, he sent a letter to a former girlfriend. David told Ashley Tuning exactly why he had killed Tiara Poole for the thrill. Spar's letter confirmed what prosecutors thought of him, that he was a vicious killer. In part, it read, quote, I want to tell you the truth about why I killed that girl. I knew I was going to Jacksonville a week before I even started looking for a potential victim. I wanted to try something just to see how it felt. I'm pretty intelligent when it comes to cleaning up crime scenes and criminal procedures. I knew the police would come talk to me. So I had the perfect alibi. Me taking my grandma to the doctor. She was perfect. It took over five minutes to kill her. She was on the bed laying on her stomach when I first started. Then we moved on to by the bedroom door. And after she quit fighting, I tilted her head and sliced her throat. Yes, I planned on doing what I did. And you want the truth? I did it for the rush. I planned for a week and a half how I would do it. I'm not even going to lie. I enjoyed it. And I hope to do it again. I mean, I never stabbed somebody. And so I just thought it would be a good rush. So I did it. Anyways, the point I'm getting at is that I did what I did because I could. And I almost got away with it. What he wrote to her is just chilling. It it was just incredible. Incredible what he actually said uh, to her. And so mm-hmm. we put that evidence into a uh, support our positions as to why the death penalty should be imposed. Uh, this case cries out for the death penalty. By that sentence, it ensures that evil will no longer walk among us because that's what it was. He is as evil as you can get. And the death penalty is appropriate for this type of individual. This type of case cried out for the death penalty. What this victim went through, nobody should have to go through. Did you notice anything about him in the courtroom today? And that is he, ha- he has a staring thing. He likes to stare me down and other people down. Uh, that's his way. Uh, to me, I am convinced that I sat across the table from evil. I think the letter was telling. He finally told, he thought, his ex-girlfriend, I don't know why he did it, but maybe he just wanted to get it out. He likes to brag about what he did. He didn't think, he thought it was a thrill pill. It's sad that A young lady is no longer among us because he wanted to experience the joy of murder. How much of a factor do you think the letter was in the judge's decision? I think that was an important factor, but quite frankly, that was just icing on the cake because we already had compelling evidence because of all the stab wounds. I mean, what she went through was incredible. She had 30-something defensive wounds. She fought for her life. Obviously, the family's been through a lot. What are your hopes for them? You know, they're never going to get closure. The family of murder victims never really get closure, but at least it brings them one step forward to justice. And at least they know that this evil person will no longer be around. Now, the only question I would have is, 
Why is it going to take so long to him actually to be executed? I'm so excited. Uh, I'm just happy this is all over with. Tiara's aunt, Valerie Speed, said the family was still in shock, but encouraged that justice was served. This has been so long for our family. We're happy that he wrote the letter. That gives us some kind of closure. But I'm just so happy this is all over with. He got what he deserved. This hearing, you're sentenced to death. It's it's hard to hear. Hard to hear, but Tiara's not with us anymore, and, and this is what he needs. He needs to be put to death. Did you ever have any doubt that the judge would go along with the jury's recommendation? Not at all. Based on her record, I didn't have any doubt at all. Many also wondered how Tiara's children were doing. I just would pray the boys just be able to make it through. They understand, you know, who their mother was and what happened to their mother. And and guys, I'm just overwhelmed right now. I can't even can't even do this. I'm just so excited. I'm ready to go call my family and let them know what's going on. They're all waiting for this. Tiara's missing for four days without media coverage brought up some uncomfortable issues in our society that are now part of a national conversation. In 2021, Gabby Petito's story took the nation by storm. However, many people were frustrated by the massive coverage for Gabby, who was Caucasian, but somehow missing for women of color, indigenous women, and a young African-American man, Jelani Day. There is even a phrase now used to define this void, missing white woman syndrome. Gabby's father made a statement about it as well in response to the lack of urgency in the media to help missing women of color. Social media has been amazing and very influential. And to be honest, it should continue for other people too. This same, this same type of um, heightened awareness should be continued for everyone, everyone. This case really highlighted three aspects in our society that need further resources devoted to it. One, this case received little to no national attention Anytime a beautiful young mother is murdered in such a horrific way, should work its way to, into the country's spotlight. Was it because of a race? Two, regulation and oversight into dating apps. And three, mental health. David, no doubt, suffered from mental health disorders and Tiara might have as well. Could this tragedy have been avoided if there were better access to mental health services? I guess We'll never know. Attorney Bernie de la Rianda sees Tiara Poole's murder as a cautionary tale for anyone who's looking to connect with strangers online for whatever reason. You know, she befriended this person, had contact with him online. There was like two or three or more in talking to him also. Agreed to meet this defendant uh, who was, I believe, 19 at the time. I think she was like 21 and arranged to meet him at a public setting at a hospital. And while there had contact with him and it felt good enough because he said, I've got to stay here in town, you know, and my grandmother's having a procedure. She agreed to take him back to her apartment. And then this happened. So um, to me, it's, it's a lesson, I guess, for everybody out there that they need to be very cautious when they come into contact with somebody that they, that they don't know. I know now um, dating is, is a, uh, on apps is a common occurrence. You know, I'm fortunate I've been married over 40 years and I'm happily married. I, I wouldn't know what to do in terms of on an app, but I caution people who are out there who are uh, 
trying to find somebody or connect with somebody to be very cautious of when they do that because you never know who that person really is. And now we have Google, we have all forms of or avenues to um, find out about people. But even then, you never really know what somebody's like. So in, in talks that I've had with, with um, uh, just the public in general, to school kids, to um, groups, you know, uh, church groups, et cetera, I always caution them. And I use this as one example of, of a case that uh, people need to be very cautious of who they have contact with and they need to meet with them in a public setting and even then just not just automatically take them home or, or go to their home and um, unfortunately this is a lesson that uh, our innocent victim uh, paid the ultimate price for tiara Poole wanted companionship her desire was so great that she reached out to total strangers online strangers she hoped could fill the void in her life instead of love she found death in the form of david spar Their two worlds collided in the digital universe, becoming yet another terrible example of how one might meet their murderer online. I'm Patricia Brown. You can call me Patches. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.